Welcome in everyone to episode 131 of the Batfoot Podcast. My name is Damon here with Matt. Uh, this week we are going to do our annual uh, All-Star Game ballot. Uh, we have some uh, prospects getting called up. We have a date for the new Field of Dreams game, um, an update on the A Stadium vote, and some big time injuries to talk about. But before we get into all that, Matt, how are you doing this week? Doing pretty good. I've had a, uh, a nice week. Um, it's been fun to watch my Braves uh, absolutely just go berserk over the last six games, which has been fun. Uh, but um, yeah, it's been a good week. Uh, everything's going well. How, how are you doing, Damian? Uh, I wish I could say it was as much fun watching, watching my Ooh. baseball team this weekend. Um or just week in general, because it was not. Um, getting crushed by the Giants, a rival is never fun. Getting swept, you know, losing one of those games 15 to nothing. Uh, yeah, not been a fun week on the old baseball side for me, but outside of that, it's been a, a you know, nice week and weekend. Hope everyone had a nice Father's Day. Um, yeah. I know I did, was able to, to go to breakfast and watch a movie with my dad this weekend, so uh, I don't take that for granted because I know a lot of people don't get that opportunity anymore. So hope everyone that has a father had a, uh, a great father's day. And if you, you've lost yours, just hope that you were able to, uh, to have a fun day anyways. But uh, we say we go ahead and jump right in and um, talk about the number one overall pick from the 2021 uh, MLB draft and Henry Davis getting called up to the major leagues this week. Yeah, uh, Henry Davis is an interesting player. He came in as a catcher um, from the, um, you know, in the draft. He was out of, I believe he was out of Louisville. And uh, yeah, yeah, number one pick. Um, There was a lot of question about whether or not he should be the number one pick that year as he, uh, there was a couple guys, I don't remember which prospect it was that year. They might have been the Marcelo Mayer, Jordan Lawler year. Yep. And, um, you know, they were both really expensive high school guys, so Pittsburgh took him as the number one pick as they really liked him. Plus, he was also a, um, you know, he was a little bit cheaper than the two high school guys. But, he uh, you know, he's hit really well in the minors. There's been a few things with his swing that I think some scouts were a little bit concerned about. But, uh, you know, it sounds like he's probably not going to be able to – I don't think he's playing behind the plate at all now. Um, he wasn't able to stick at catcher, uh, so that's kind of a bummer when you picked him first overall, but the bat is probably good enough to play. We'll see what happens with it. He was striking out a pretty good bit at AAA, but he hits the ball hard, and uh, you know, high on base percentage guy. I think he's going to do well, and it's good to see the Pirates, you know, that this wave of prospects they've had, um, you know, bringing him on up. So uh, definitely uh, good on them, and uh, we'll see what he can do. Yeah, hopefully he's able to to come in and have an impact. And, you know, the Pirates don't need him really to stick behind the plate because they still have Andy Rodriguez, who will probably yep. be up here in the next few months as well. Um, but it, it's good to see Davis, who has battled that injury bug just a little bit, finally, um, you know, now that he's healthy, kind of get that call up to the major leagues. And he's he's looked pretty good in the one game that he had so far. I saw he roped that double down the, the left field line. So let's see if he's able to keep that up. But. Uh, let's go over to the Cleveland Guardians now, who actually called up a catcher that stuck there in Bo Naylor. Um, he was officially called up this weekend, and then Gavin Williams will be called up tomorrow, which is one of their top pitching prospects. Yeah, Bo Naylor is a pretty cool, um, 
pretty cool prospect. He was uh, he played in the World Baseball Classic this year. It was fun to see him there, and uh, he's a good looking prospect, good catcher. Um, I think he's uh, you know it sounds like he's going to stick there. Uh, he hit pretty well in the minor leagues. Triple uh, A this year had a 122 WRC plus. Uh, had a very low batting average on balls in play, but his plate discipline numbers were really really good, and um, he's got uh, really solid power. So you would think that he'd probably be able to. You know, those numbers might, he might have been just a little bit unlucky in AAA as well in his 60 games there. So uh, he got the call, and, uh, you know, he's played a couple games, hadn't really done a ton yet at the big league level so far, hadn't gotten a hit yet, but uh, although he's walked a couple times. So uh, we'll see. Um, hopefully he, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with him, and I, I think he's a good prospect. And then you look at Gavin Williams. This guy throws gas. Uh, I remember when he was in the draft, um, he was picked right around where the Braves were picking. So I was kind of keeping my eye on him. There were a lot of Braves fans who were really into him and he throws really, really hard. He's generally been in the strike zone in the minors, uh, you know, triple a this year, he was a little bit wild in his nine starts. I think that, and then just injury concern with him, uh, were a couple of things to, to worry about, but, uh, it'll definitely be interesting to see him at the big league level, especially with the way that the, uh, guardians have been able to develop pitchers because it seems like just about every one of these guys that they bring up ends up being a really, really good pitcher. Yeah. The, the guardians are one of those teams that just develop pitching and just always find a way to, uh, to, you know, develop some of that. And we'll, we'll hit into the reason here in a little bit of why, you know, Gavin Williams is going to be potentially a big piece uh, for that guardians rotation so far, but also a cool story for Bo Naylor. He gets to play with his brother, Josh Naylor, who's also on the guardians. Yep. Um, so that, that's going to be a pretty fun to have the two brothers up in the major leagues playing together. Uh, so it's a really fun story. Uh, but, uh, we mentioned last week, the new field of dreams game that's going to happen between the giants and the Cardinals at Rickwood field next year. Uh, we finally got the date for that game. It will be Thursday, June 20th, 2024. Uh, so it, it's, uh, I think they've made the habit of making these games on a Thursday night so we should have had a little bit of a uh an inkling into that but uh that's at least when the game will be so if you want to try and get tickets that's when you can look for or we'll talk about obviously when it'll uh be on tv and all that but uh the a's stadium vote as well we wanted to hit on this one the uh, last week we had said that the had went past the first panel and had to go to the state assembly uh the state assembly uh, voted to approve it at 25 to 15 vote they amended it, and it has been now sent to the governor, Joe Lombardo's desk, who has been a big proponent of them moving there. So uh, it's pretty much all but confirmed that the A's move to Vegas will be official because as soon as he signs off on it, Manfred was even talking this week and seemed <laughs> pretty uh, – he was dunking on the Oakland fans and, and stuff. I was going to say but, that uh, comment. I was, I was going to bring up that comment that Rand yeah. Manfred made. <laughs> where, where did I – did I put that one in the other chat? I did. I, 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 don't, I don't know, but basically what he said was – that you know they were talking asking about the reverse boycott that the A's did he basically said yeah it must have been nice for the A's to finally have an average major league crowd for a game <laughs> it's like my god that is just I mean it's kind of true but well yikes yeah I'm trying to see it's uh yeah he said I mean it was great it was great to see this the atmosphere what is this year an almost average major league baseball crowd in the facility for one night that is a great thing that's yeah, what he's I mean um but obviously the him and the owners seem like it's all they're gonna unanimously vote it in and obviously joe lombardo's gonna sign off on it so here probably within the next month or two we'll officially have the las vegas a's moved confirmed 
Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see over the next couple months too, like what their plan for transition is. You know, are they going to go? Are they going to stay in the Coliseum until the new stadium's ready? Or are they going to stay a couple years and then go? You know, to a different ballpark there, or, or are they going to just go straight to the AAA ballpark in Vegas for a little while? I mean, honestly, like with the attendance they're getting in Oakland, like playing at the AAA park, they probably, you know, it's they probably get more fans there anyway. So. Um, yeah, I, I think their lease is through next season. Okay. In the Coliseum, I want to say it's either 2024 or 2025. I think it's 2024 though, because I don't think the Vegas Stadium was supposed to be ready until 26 or 27. Um, yeah. So I know that they were saying that there was going to be a couple years, but we've seen, uh, you know, when Buffalo or when Toronto had to play in Buffalo yeah. in their minor league park, like we've seen it be a thing that that could possibly happen. Um, so I would assume that it, you know, if they don't come to some sort of agreement in Oakland that yeah. they would, they would go it, now what happens with the aviators that also is another yeah. story. So, and the A's could also, I guess, play at their uh, spring training facility in Arizona too. Cause I'm yeah. sure that they've, you know, got a pretty good setup there and it's probably got a lot more of the major league amenities there that they don't have it. That's true. Triple A. So yeah. uh, we'll see if that happens, but Absolutely. Um, so one other little miscellaneous note um, that we wanted to hit on is just that the the tear that the Cincinnati Reds and the San Francisco Giants have been on, the Reds have now won nine games in a row, um, and they've came all the way up to take the NL Central lead um, so far. Uh, and they also got the return of Joey Votto last night, so another addition to that lineup. Uh, and then obviously the Giants won eight in a row. We mentioned how they swept the Dodgers this week. They've now taken over second in the NL West, and they're four games behind um, Arizona for the number one. Yeah, um, this was a huge week for both teams. The Reds, you know, getting all this hope with all these young guys they brought up recently uh, has been really fun for them. Um, you know, they've just been really exciting to watch. Lots of close games, some walk-off wins. Um, you know, it just it seems like every day they're bringing up another rookie that that's doing really well and then uh it's been a lot of fun you know playing in the nl central you, you never know they're 38 35 they're actually in first place right now um and with the brewers struggles at, offensively and their pitching injuries and then you know with how far behind the cardinals are right now and you know you just don't trust the cubs or the pirates like i mean you could see the reds maybe figure out a way to to win here um and then you look at the the Giants. I mean, that win streak's huge for them, and their playoff odds are now up to sixty three percent. And they have a higher chance of winning the division than the Padres. And I kind of had a feeling the Giants would be would, would would find find their groove at some point. A lot of people were writing them off early, and they've got a pretty good team. They don't have the superstar power, but they've got a solid team. I, I do think this is a wild card caliber team, especially with the struggles of, you know, like teams like the Mets and the Phillies that, that have had so far, the Padres, like these are the teams that we were thinking would be the wild card favorites. But I mean, right now, I mean, the Giants have a huge cushion over the Mets and, and of course the Marlins are there too, but I mean, I, I don't expect the, Mar expect the Marlins to stay up there. Although they've been – I think we talked before the show, they've won like, what, five games in a row or something? So you never yeah. know. But Yeah, the the Giants are always been one of those sneaky teams that always gets more out of their talent. I mean, look at the 2021 season when yeah. they won, what, 110 games or 111 yeah, games or something it was. 108. It was 108 yeah. and the Dodgers won 107. 107. That's what it was. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, you know, no, nobody expected them at that point. Uh, 
So, I mean, it's a good story for both of these teams, especially for the Reds after the dumpster fire. I mean, we were talking about how they were potentially the worst team in Major League Baseball before the season started and how they should just sell off what they could. And, I mean, even a few weeks ago, I mean, you have the the big-time, you know, reporters in the game mentioning how, you know, Alexis Diaz could be a big-time trade target for contending teams and the Mets and this and that. And it's like, well, now they're over 500. They're leading this event. The Reds might be a buyer at this deadline. Yeah. Like, it, it, it seriously can happen. They have so and, much talent on that middle infield and, like, that they can – afford to purge a couple of them they've got a log jam in the middle infield and we've seen this from the reds before too i remember back in 2019 they were kind of on the fringes of being a contender that year they really weren't a contender but they were like just you know if they catch fire they might but they felt like really good going into the following season and they went and traded for trevor bauer at the deadline like you know i think that's the type of thing you might be able to see from the Reds here at this deadline where they might go make a play on a multi-year type guy if there's one available, which that seems like it's probably going to be a big question if there's one available, but, um, but we'll see what happens there. Um, I think the, um, you know, I, I think that's been a lot of fun and uh, it's been crazy too. Just the fact that they really have had some bad luck um, with some pitching injuries. Lodolo's been banged up. Hunter Green's hurt now. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, and I mean, Ashcraft has been bad where it's, you kind of thought if they were going to go, you know, maybe he has a breakout year or something, but a lot of their bats have been good. Um, you know, had, you know, breakout years and, and the young guys have all hit. And then, you know, now you bring Joey Votto back in his first game back, he hits a home run and you're like, man, this is yeah. crazy. So, uh, it'll be, it'll be fun to see if the Reds are able to keep this up. Yeah. It, I mean, this just tells you what the energy of a young super talented prospect can bring because really this run happened right when they brought Ellie up. Um, and it just, you know, obviously he's been an insane, like he hit one to first base the other day, a ground ball to first base and he beat the first baseman to the bag. And like, there was another one that was like a routine two or three hoppers third base. And he beat yep. it out easily. And it's like, you know, maybe sometimes that energy of bringing that young player can do something for a team and it's, it's done worlds for the Reds so far. So it's going to be a fascinating story to watch here in the next, um, month or so uh see what the reds do and then potentially into that deadline oh yeah uh so let's go ahead and jump over to our injury uh part of the show and uh aaron judge had to get a prp injection into that toe that he hurt um when he ran into the the gate at dodger stadium there uh hasn't even started baseball activities yet uh, i did see aaron boone said that he had a breakthrough today but the swelling's kind of gone down um, but still, there's no real firm timeline on when Aaron Judge is going to come back. And right now, he's been the uh, the entire Yankees offense as he was last year. Yeah, and you say it's been the entire Yankees offense. We've seen what's happened to the Yankees since he's been out. The Yankees are, look horrible right now. Um, they, they've not played well. They can't score. Uh, and their pitching staff is a little bit banged up too. I mean, you still have Nestor Cortez is on the IL. You have Carlos Rodon still hasn't pitched, so that there might be some help on the way, depending on if you trust those guys to come back. But, I mean, the lineup right now is just bad. I mean, you know, Stanton's somewhat healthy right now, I guess, so he's playing, and Rizzo's still playing. But, like, I mean, you've got just – that lineup is just bad right now. I mean, there's nobody good in that lineup. Nobody hitting. Donaldson's not hitting. Volpe's not hitting. Uh, you look at the catching spot. Like Trevino has been really good defensively again, but he's not hitting. 
Glaber Torres has been all right, uh, but like their outfield's a, a mess. I mean, I'm pretty sure Billy McKinney's like their best outfielder right now, which is just atrocious. So they have got to get Judge back if they want to do anything. And I mean, and then in the AL right now, like you know, I don't know if they're are they in the playoffs right now? If the season ended today, I think it would be the Rangers, Angel, or the the wild cards would be the Angels, the Orioles, and I think the Yankees would still be the third wild card, but like by a half game. So, uh, yeah, they, so they are by half game over Houston at the moment. Yeah, so that's uh, you know, that's not very good. So, no, it, it's it's not, and you know they could always be aggressive at the deadline but it really hasn't been brian cashman's mo the last handful of years to to you know go in and, and make big time aggressive moves and they, they kind of need the uh you know the stantons to get back to playing the way they can you need volpe to really kind of figure it out um you just need obviously you just need judge back as well i mean but at, at the end of the day it's not gonna get the it's not going to solve all your issues, uh, but one bright note they do have is that uh, Rodon is starting his rehab assignment today. Yeah, that's good news. Hopefully he makes it through healthy because, you know, he's been accustomed to, you know, getting some uh, – he's had in the past where he's come back on rehab assignments and had setbacks. Um, yeah. So hopefully he, he gets healthy. And you mentioned Brian Cashman. That's the last comment I want to make on the Yankees. They did not build this team very well. I mean, we kind of talked about it before the season where if the pitching – if everyone stays healthy, like it could be the best pitching staff in baseball. But the fact of the matter is that like they just didn't build – they just didn't build any depth into their roster. Like no. it, it, it's, a, it's a mess. And, you know, you look at what they've done on the deadline in the past, it, it seems like they don't typically make big moves at the deadline, but – they've made in the past couple of years, they made kind of panicky moves like last year when they traded for Frankie Montas, who was injured. Well, he's injured again and they gave up a lot for him. Like, and then the same thing kind of happened last year where they traded a, a pretty good pitching prospect for a reliever because they had some bullpen injuries. And, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to, you know, reach for somebody prospect wise, you know, or, or trade wise this year, but you know, they've kind of been, it, it's been a little bit uneasy, and I think I know Yankees fans are really not not feeling very good right now. I mean, this team right now for the Yankees is like the Yankees haven't finished below 500 in a long time. This team, if they don't get healthy, could be under 500 by the end of the season. They just start playing well. Yeah, it's a uh, it's big time in uh, in Yankee land, you know, with people freaking out now. So we'll see uh, what they do here, but. Uh, you know, we mentioned about Gavin Williams earlier and why it would be a potential big deal for Cleveland, and that's because Tristan McKenzie went back onto the IL with a UCL sprain. Uh, he estimated that he'd probably be shut down for about a month uh, before starting to throw again. So you're looking at probably another month or, or so after that as buildup. But uh, it's a big time blow for for the Guardians who, you know, we're trying to hope to, you know, stay in touch with Minnesota there and you kind of need that they're built on pitching and not really much offense. And you just lost one of your best pitchers. Yeah. It's unfortunate for Cleveland. Um, you know, they haven't been able to get healthy on the mound this year so far. And, you know, this is just another, you know, another hit there. I mean, he, Tristan McKenzie last year threw 191 innings of 296 ERA ball. I mean, that's really, really good this year. He's only thrown 10 innings. He's looked all right you know, in his 10 innings, but 
I mean, it it's it's diff, it's tough. It's tough for the for the Guardians right now. Their offense isn't good enough to to with withhold withstand some of these pitching injuries. So they really need to get healthy there. And I mean, this isn't uh, you, when you hear UCL sprain, that is not a good sign. So no, it's not. I mean, those are always really really finicky issues that can turn into a lot more if not taken yep. care of the right way and rehabbed and rest as much as possible. Um, but next up, we're going to stay in the AL Central, and we kind of hinted on it last week with Vinny Pasquantino. He was we, we knew he had went on the IL. We weren't sure the severity of it, um, but Jeff Passan reported last Wednesday that Vinny Pasquantino tore his labrum in his right shoulder, and he's headed for surgery and out for this season. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, he's a really good player um, and, you know, young guy. You would like to see him stay healthy and continue to develop um, at the big league level, and it's difficult. Um, hopefully he comes back, you know, his shoulder heals up normally and comes back strong. I know shoulders can be very tricky, uh, so hopefully he uh, hopefully he gets healthy next year. Of course, for this year's purposes, like, I don't think it means all that much to the Royals. Uh, you just hope that his long-term, you know, health is 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 in good shape and that next year he can come back be you know be back to himself yeah i mean you you hate to see a a young team like that that's already been struggling lose one of their their better players um so hopefully he's able to to come back but uh speaking of losing one of your better players the houston astros will be without jordan alvarez for at least four weeks um i think it's a hamstring issue if i'm not mistaken I uh, don't remember. Let me double check on that one. But, um, you know, Jordan is a big part of that offense and, uh, you know, one of the best hitters in the game. And to lose him for at least a minimum of four weeks, uh, it was an oblique injury, by the way, um, okay. which those are very, very finicky issues as well. They can, that be, could, tri- they can be tricky for hitters. Yeah. And, and it could be easily um, irritated again. So uh, the Astros team that, you know, they, they've been solid all year long, but, you know, losing one of their best and consistent hitters and power hitters in the game, that's going to be a big blow for them. Yeah, and you look at the Astros, and it's starting to get concerning for them because, for one thing, that division has been really good. The Angels are playing really good baseball right now. Like, they're 41-33. and 33. Otani is absolutely going off, and they're a game and a half ahead of the Astros. And then the Rangers have just been going crazy all year. So, you know, the Astros are in third place right now, and – I mean, if you look at this team with the injuries that they have in their pitching rotation, you know, Garcia's been out, and, uh, you know, they got Framber Valdez is still really good. Christian Javier's been really good, but Hunter Brown's been a little inconsistent lately. And, I mean, you're starting JP France and whoever else in their fifth spot right now. And then you look at their lineup, and with the injury to Alvarez, I mean, this lineup's got a lot of holes in it. I mean, you've got. You know, Jake Myers, Martin Maldonado's in there every night. Like Corey Jolks, Jeremy Pena, Jose Abreu, who's got like a sub 600 OPS, and Yanier Diaz, who's a rookie. I mean, that Jose Altuve, Bregman, and Tucker are really the only big time guys in this lineup at the plate right now. And even them, even the three of those guys, haven't really been at their normal selves this year at the plate. So. You know, the Astros are struggling right now. They haven't. They've, they've been struggling to win a lot of games lately, and. I mean that it's I don't want I don't want to call it panic time for them but you know they need to get healthy and they need to start hitting cuz right now like 
it's not looking good for them. Their their playoff odds are sub fifty percent right now for the, for the for the making the playoffs this year. That's crazy to say um, for Houston, who a lot of team we had expected to win that division this year. But um, you know, like you said, that, that pitching style was kind of our concern coming in uh, to the season, and then you know the offense obviously missed getting out to a like you know boys broke his thumb like the day before the season or a week before the season started. Uh, that wasn't great. And then Bregman usually starts slow and he started figuring it out a little bit the last month or so, but you know, your Don was kind of just that anchor that they needed and you know, you're missing that now. So they got to find some way to um, replace or at least supplement some of that production uh, here for a while and try and make it to where maybe we see them make one of the early moves to, to get a pitcher in there or something. But um. Moving on to, we were talked about Cincinnati Reds earlier, and you, Matt mentioned with Hunter Green being out. Uh, he has a hip injury. Uh, they're hopeful it could only be a couple weeks or will only be a couple weeks injury, but uh, right now they aren't quite sure if it might be longer than that. Yeah, that's a bummer. Hunter Green was pitching well, uh, 393 ERA on the season, 73 innings. Um, his FIP is 358, really solid second year for a – for uh, for him, his his home run rate has come down a lot this year. He's done a better job of, you know, his fastball shape. Maybe he's improved a little bit. He's getting tons of strikeouts, throwing you know ninety nine on his fastball average again. He's been really good. Um, you would like to see him stay healthy. That has been an issue for him in the minor leagues uh, when he was coming up. Health was a big problem. Uh, but you know, this doesn't sound like it's an arm injury and that's good news. Um, it's a hip injury. So hopefully he's able to come back pretty soon. And, uh, you know, the Reds need him. Cause like we talked about earlier right now, the Reds are in first place and it seems like the hat, not everything has gone right for them either. I mean, you know, you admit, we've talked about him and Lodolo has been out some like they getting those guys back will be, you know, that's That's a big deal. So hopefully, uh, hopefully Hunter green will, uh, come back pretty soon yeah it does sound like he was pitching with this hip issue for at least a couple starts um so maybe it's just to the point where they're like hey let's just not risk it let's just get you healed up and maybe it is only that couple weeks thing um so you know if he was pitching with it that's a little bit more of an encouraging sign but still at the same time you just you just never know with when things can set back or or find something there that is a bigger issue that you just didn't know about so It's a good way to limit his workload just a little bit too. Um, You know, if he's having some kind of nagging thing, you ought to sit him down. He was going to, he's going to blow past his career high in innings this year. Um, And it would be worth, it is worth, you know, mentioning that, you know, just giving a couple, couple weeks off could, could be helpful down the stretch for him. Absolutely. Uh, So let's go ahead and jump over to our uh, filling out our all-star ballot this year. Uh, So the, First phase of the voting goes through next uh, or starts next Monday. So this is the, the phase one ends uh, Thursday. So if you want to get your votes in to pick who should be the in vote for the starters, uh, you'll have to do it by then. But I'm uh, sorry, one got put in right here already. So uh, we've picked a handful of guys from each position for the AL and NL. So we're not listing every single one, but. Uh, let's go ahead and start in the American League at first base. Uh, the handful of guys that we want to talk about is Yandy Diaz uh, from Tampa Bay, Ryan Noda from Oakland, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. from Toronto, Nate Lowe from Texas, and then uh, Ty France slash Aaron, or Anthony Rizzo were our last one we were debating between. But 
uh, you know, kind of looking over these guys, Matt, who would you kind of pick as your guy to, to as your first baseman? Yeah. So, you know, a bunch of those guys have been good. Uh, uh, you know, Yandy Diaz is definitely my guy. Um, he has a 161 WRC plus. Uh, his stat cast page has looked like ridiculous the last few years. And you wonder, you know, is he going to be able to start hitting the ball in the air a little bit more, hit some, you know, get for a little more power. And that's happened this year. Uh, you know, he's got a, a 302 average, a 394 on base, a 522 slugging this year, which is insane. You know, hey, he has only played 61 games, but he's been unbelievable. Uh, it's worth talking about the other guys, though. Uh, Ryan Noda has been a really big time revelation. For the uh, for Oakland uh, or the A's because we don't know if they're Oakland anymore. But um, <laughs> the uh, he you know he, this is his rookie year. Uh, he came over from the Dodgers in the off season and he's been really good. He's striking out a lot, but has a you know three ninety seven on base. He's walking a ton, and uh, you know he's been solid. Uh, pretty good base running metrics, honestly, too for him. Then you look at the other guys. I mean, Nathaniel Lowe is, has been really good. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think we mentioned what Ty France is, has been solid too. Um, Anthony Rizzo, uh, he's been pretty good. He's kind of struggled lately, but, you know, he's kind of worth being on the ballot. You know, I mentioned Vlad Jr., who's been pretty decent at the plate, but I don't think I've ever seen somebody with as bad a defensive metrics as him. So <laughs> it's pretty crazy, but – he, um, you know, you'd like to see him just hit a little bit better. I mean, he's just, he's been good, but I mean, it's, it's kind of frustrating. You know, you had that year a couple of years ago where he's had like a 160 something WRC plus and you thought, man, this guy is really taking off and it's just kind of been stagnant since then. So hopefully he gets it figured out at some point soon, but uh, definitely Yandy Diaz is my guy in the American League first base. Yeah, I think Yandy Diaz is probably the, the easy pick. Um you know, on the Ryan Nota thing, he was a rule five pick this year. Yeah. Uh, that's how he came over. So that's a cool story there. Uh, weird stat with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. as well. He doesn't have a homer at home yet this year. It's crazy. He's hit 239 with zero homers and, at Rogers Center, and they moved the fences I, in and the dimensions of the fence even to make it more of a hitter-friendly ball. I know, and it already was a hitter-friendly park. Yeah. So that's yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah, he's batting 308 on the road. Um, it, it's, it's incredibly weird. The season Vlad juniors had, um, and with how bad his defensive metrics are, you have to wonder if maybe here coming into the later in the season, if they decide to put Brandon belt at first, because you have him already, he's been DHing the way to get yeah. him in the lineup. I mean, you keep both those bats in the lineup, but you put belt who's a much better defender, um, at first base there and, and let Vlad DH a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think when it comes down to it, Yandy Diaz is, is kind of the easy pick here at first base uh, in the uh, American League. So uh, let's go ahead and jump over to the National League, where I think there might be a little bit more of an argument here. But we have Pete Alonzo, Freddie Freeman, uh, Paul Goldschmidt, Matt Olson, and Christian Walker. Uh, so Matt, who would you pick out of that handful of people to be your National League first base nominee? Well, I mean, I think the easy pick's Freddie Freeman. Uh, he's been extremely good. Um, you know, a 157 WRC plus he's hit 324 with a 404 on base, 554 slugging. Um, his, you know, he, he's just, he's such a steady, consistent hitter. He's actually stolen nine bases this year, which is yeah. like probably a, close to a career high, if, if not a career high. Um, uh, but you know, his defense is 
he's declined some, but it's still fine at first base. Like it's not like he's it's not like he's a Vlad Jr. level negative at first base. Like he's still pretty good there. Um, so I, I think he's definitely the guy. Paul Goldschmidt's been really really good as well this year. Um, he's got a 143 WRC plus. He hasn't been the quite the same as he was last year, which we kind of expected coming into the year. Uh, but he's still been so good. Uh, you know, 344. I mean, a, sorry, a, a 289 average, 381 on base, 502 slugging, two and a half WAR. Christian Walker's been awesome for the Diamondbacks. We knew that coming in. He was probably going to be really good again. He's got a 125 WRC plus, which is probably on the lower end for all these first basemen we're talking about. But man, his defense is in- incredible at first base, to where like it's hard to have like a net positive defensive value as a first baseman just because of the positional penalty. But he's got it. Like he's really good there. And then uh, Pete Alonso, 22 home runs, is really good. He he's missed some games recently, but you know not you know the the average is kind of low you know not getting on base a ton 322 on base but he's hitting the ball hard hitting a lot of homers Matt Olson's probably worth mentioning he's been pretty decent he's hit a lot of home runs as well um and then Lamont Wade's worth mentioning to me too he's been awesome so 147 WRC plus for him but uh Freddie Freeman's definitely the pick here I don't think I think it's probably kind of like the American League it's hard to argue against it yeah, it's it's hard to argue against him. There, you could mention those other guys we did. You know, Goldschmidt, uh, Christian Walker, you know, even Lamont Wade. Pete, if he hadn't missed time, would probably be more in the conversation. Um, but I, I think with it is what the impact Freddie's been able to do so far this year. Um, I think he's kind of the easy pick at first base as well. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump over to the American League second base, and our handful of people are Marcus Simeon, Whit Merrifield, Brandon Drury, and Glaber Torres. Yeah, shorter list here, uh, as there haven't really been a ton of really good second basemen, at least in the plate. Um, you look at uh, Marcus Simeon, is, is probably my pick here. He's been really good, 277 average, 340 on base, 462 slugging. Um, he has struggled over the last month or so, and over the last two weeks, it's been really bad. But his defense is awesome at second base. He's definitely the front runner for gold glove. And his base running's really good. He's stolen seven bases. The metrics are, line up really well for him there. And the offense has been good. Uh, he does have a fairly low BABIP. So, you know, 301, it's around league average. And I think that typically he's run a little bit higher than that. So maybe he has had a tiny bit of bad luck lately, but he's been such a good player, almost three war on the season, just a real well-rounded player. Uh, I do want to bring up Brandon Drury because the angels have, you know, they need that depth. They've all, they've struggled to bring in guys who really contribute, you know, outside of Trout and Otani and Brandon Drury has been a guy who has come in and really taken off this year. 1.5 war, a one twenty WRC plus, um, you know, he's hit 12 home runs. He leads second base, tied for the lead for, for, for home runs for second baseman in the American League. He's been really solid. Um, Whit Merrifield's been really good. 18 stolen bases. He's kind of the same guy he was back when he was good with the Royals. Um, you know, he hit a, um, you know, he, he doesn't hit a lot for a lot of power, but he's got a, he gets on base really well. 364 on base and he runs, he runs the base as well. 18 stolen bases. He's kind of a prototypical leadoff hitter, honestly, that you would see you know, classic, classic leadoff hitter. Uh, and then uh, Glaber Torres is defensively not very good. Base running's not great, but he's hit pretty well this year, so he's worth bringing up. Uh, he does have a 256 average, 331 on base, 439 slugging. That's a 114 WRC plus, so he's kind of worth putting on the list. He's probably been the Yankees' best hitter outside of Judge, so 
uh, maybe Rizzo, but he's yeah. The, the Marcus Simeon should probably run away with this one. Yeah, I think it really comes down to Simeon and Brandon Drury. Um, I, uh, the season with Merrifield's having, I think, is, a, is should be recognized more than I think it has been so far. But um, you know, Simeon and Drury, I think it's kind of a tale of two different stories. You know, Simeon started the season incredibly hot. He's cooled off lately. Brandon Drury has started the season very ice cold and then has picked it up as of late. Uh, I think they're they're good stories for either one, but I think Simeon's edge with him, you know, having one of being one of the leaders on that Texas team and being better defensively, um, kind of gives him a little bit of the nod there at, at American League second base for me. Uh, so looking over at the National League side, uh, we have Luis Arias, who is still hitting 400, for those of you who don't know. Uh, Ozzy Albies, Cattell Marte, Jonathan India, and Tyro Estrada. Yeah, so, um, you know, this is this is kind of an interesting one because I think that Luis Arias is going to run away with it. And, you know, if you're hitting 400, it's hard to argue with that. Like, he's been really good, obviously. Um I will say that, you know, Tyro Estrada has got a half a win more of war than Luis Arias so far. He's got a 2.6 war. Luis Arias is at a 2.1. You know, Luis Arias' base running is really bad. The defense is really bad. He's really a one-trick pony. He's just so good at, at contact hitting. I mean, 400 average? Like, come on. Uh, Tyro Estrada, though, he's got a 341 on base, a 466 slugging, 120 WRC+. plus. He's hit really well. And the defense has been awesome. And he's also stolen 17 bases. Now, obviously, I think the vote goes to Arias just because, you know, hitting 400 is insane. But uh, it is worth bringing up Tyro Estrada has, has more war. Uh, if you go down the list, uh, you know, mention Cattell Marte. He's been really good. 127 WRC plus for him. Ozzy Albies has hit for a, a lot of power, a 509 slugging percentage. The own base is still a little bit low with him. He's honestly been pretty unlucky at the plate too. He only has a 261 batting average on balls in play. So that might be something to look out for a little bit more in the second half of the season. Um, but I think you uh, definitely are looking at, uh, you know, Luis Arias being the guy here at, uh, at at second base in the National League. Yeah, I think you could make the argument for Marte or Tyro Estrada, but it's just so hard to pick against a guy who's hitting 400 at the time. Like, we've never seen it in our lifetime, and you know, it, it's it's a feat where it just deserves the recognition, the vote at the moment. But um, jumping over to the American League third base, where you have Matt Chapman, Josh Jung, Isaac Paredes, uh, Jose Ramirez, and Rafael Devers. Yeah, this has been an interesting group this year. Um, you know, Jose Ramirez, I think, is probably going to be the guy. Uh, him or Josh Young, um, they, they're they both really good. You know, Jose Ramirez has kind of more of the star power. Like, he's been the superstar for, for a while now. Uh, you know, Josh Young as a rookie has come in, and he's been a really big piece for the for the Texas Rangers. Uh, 284 average, 339 on base, 509 slugging. He's broken out this year. I think in the big preseason, I kind of said he was one of the guys I was worried about just because he hasn't been able to be healthy. They're going to rely on him. This team that's supposed to be contending, they're going to rely on him at third base to be a key part of that lineup. Well, they've hit. It's part of the reason the Rangers have been so good is because Josh Young has been really good this year. Um, and then you look at Isaac Paredes has been really solid for 139 WRC plus. I mean, that's kind of average for a Ray, but, uh, still, uh, he's been really good this year. Um, you know, uh, Matt Chapman had a hot start. 
he's been pretty good. Uh, his defense has rebounded. You know, that was kind of the metrics on that were kind of weird to start the season. He's always been just this elite defender. And the start of the season, the metrics were, were kind of down on his defense, but it's rebounded. And he's been solid. Uh, 118 WRC plus for him with, with that elite defense. And then you look at Rafael Devers. He's kind of worth mentioning. He's been ba- better lately at the plate than he had been. He kind of had a rough start. He only has a 305 on base percentage, but he has hit 17 home runs, which leads uh, third baseman in the American League. And, I mean, he's got a really low batting average on balls in play. I think he's probably in for a big second half. Um, just kind of a slow start for him this year. But uh, if I had to vote, I, it's, this is a hard one because – I think Josh Young might be my vote just because of what he's meant to the Rangers this year. Whereas Jose Ramirez has been really good. He's both of them should be on the all-star team. Yes. But I think I'm probably gonna probably would go Josh Young. Yeah. I think my vote leans Jung as well. And it's, it might be a little bit of a thing, but because of him being able to do this as a rookie so far, I think means, a little bit more. I mean, we, we know J Ram's a star and it's not to take away from what he's done, but Josh Jung has come in as the highly touted prospect who was injured last year. Wasn't sure uh, he was going to come up. People were questioning if he was going to be, you know, the future uh, of, you know, part of the future of the Texas Rangers at one point. And now he's came in and pretty much deserve, you know, put a deserving all-star candidacy up on. So I, I think Josh Jung gets our vote. Um, if you're okay with that. I think I'm good with it. All right. So Josh Jung is. Uh, so looking over at the National League side, uh, the, the three people we really had was Nolan Arenado, J.D. Davis, and Ryan McMahon. Um, I got, there's one more guy that I forgot to put on our list, too. All right. So we'll I'll mention him in a minute. But um, oh, I think I know where that's going. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but... I think that uh, you look at this group, and, and J.D. Davis has been really good this year, 134 WRC+, plus, and his defense has been so good this year. In the past, his defense has really been what's held him back. He was kind of a positionless guy. The Mets didn't know where to play him. Uh, he He's never been a positive defender. Last year, he was a negative 8.5 defensive value, um, and – that's really been why the Mets haven't. That's why the Mets traded him, and of course they traded him for Darren Ruff, which was just really, really stupid. And I said last year that was stupid, but um, JD Davis has been awesome this year for for the Giants. Uh, you look at Ryan McMahon; he's been really good. He's got a very high batting average on balls in play, so I don't know if it's sustainable. But so far this year, you know, two seventy seven average, three fifty six on base, five eleven slugging. He's walking a pretty good bit. 120 WRC plus. He plays great defense at third base, uh, and he plays a little bit of second base too, I believe. Um, 12 home runs has been nice. Nolan Arenado had that super slow start, but he's gotten a lot better over the you know the last month or two. Um, definitely back to you know what we expected coming into the season. He's now up to a 120 WRC plus on the year. Uh, his defense has been uncharacteristically you know suspect on the metrics wise, but I think just you know those metrics can be noisy I, i'll be surprised if nolan arenado is a negative defender for the rest of the year uh, but uh he's definitely worth mentioning here and then the guy that we should have mentioned to start with jamer candelario and he's probably not going to get the nod because the bat's not quite as good of, as a couple of these other guys this year but jamer candelario leads war for third baseman 
He's been insane defensively this year. His base running has been really solid. And at the plate, he's got a 113 WRC plus. And, it, you know, I think all three of us, you know, me, Damien, and of course, David, who's not here tonight, we all talked about in the offseason how we were just puzzled as to why the Tigers would just not tender him. Like, he's obviously a pretty talented player who he didn't have a great year last year, but like, it's not like he was blocking anybody with the, with the, with the Tigers. And it's not like the Tigers were, you know, trying to upgrade or they just got rid of him for, for no reason. Like it wasn't like he was going to make a ton of money in arbitration or something. And Washington picks him up and he's got 2.2 war on the season. So um, I think the pick though, I think it's going to be JD Davis just because he's been the best hitter of a third baseman uh, in the national league. The defense has improved. You know, I, I think it's got to be J.D. Davis right now. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Um, you know, back to the Candelario thing, it was head scratching. And like you said, we mentioned it and, uh, you know, it, it's kind of giving the Nationals a piece where they could might get some value out of it at the deadline. Um, you know, because he only signed, I think it was the one year deal or was it? Yeah. Was he the one that signed the one year with like the low option or something? I'm not sure. I, I know he, they had one of those deals, but um you know, as far as, as as the vote is concerned, I, I was thinking it was JD Davis or Ryan McMahon, and I think you swayed my vote to to JD Davis there um, with it. So uh, we'll go him there, and then let's go over to the American League shortstop, where our three people we had was Bobachet, Wander Franco, and Corey Seager. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one because. Corey Seager has not played enough games to be qualified, but when he but when he's played, he has been absolutely out of his mind. And I want to take a little bit of credit as I did say that Corey Seager was my uh, dark horse MVP pick. I said Otani was probably going to win MVP, but that Seager was kind of my dark horse. And in 41 games, he has put up 2.2 WAR and. <laughs> <laughs> he has a 187 WRC plus, 358 average, a 414 on base, 642 slugging, 10 home runs, and, and that's like say 41 games. So, you know, I think Wander Franco gets the nod because Wander Franco has broken out this year. He's got a 130 WRC plus. The defense has been insane. 24 stolen bases. He's been awesome. Bobachet's been really good too. The defense has been, you know, kind of average for a third base for a shortstop, but you know, maybe a little blow average for a shortstop, but he's hitting really well. 317 average, 348 on base, 508 slugging. He's hit 14 home runs. You know, I think Walter Franco gets the nod just off of the fact that he's stolen all these bases. The, so the base running has been so much better and the defense. He's just a more re- well-rounded player. Whereas Bichette's really kind of a, you know, an offensive-minded shortstop who, who's who's solid. Uh, but, you know, and, and you can't really go wrong with either one of them. But uh, Corey Seager, he really deserves a shout-out. I hope he keeps this up all year because, like, he's – that's big time what he's done so far. I'm picking Seager just because I want to. Uh, okay. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, when I think it really comes down to it, uh, we've had this conversation, I think it was just a couple weeks ago, we were talking about Bichette and uh, Wander. Uh, maybe that was off the show, but, um, you know, Bichette's been so insane offensively, but I think Wander's probably just with as good a defense as he's had, and the stats aren't really all that far behind Bo Bichette. Um, and, and being the, as much better base runner and stealing all those bases, I think the nod kind of goes to Wander. <laughs> Um, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I totally, I totally agree. 
so let's go ahead and jump over to the National League shortstop where our candidates are Orlando Arcia, Geraldo Perdomo, Dansby Swanson, and Xander Bogarts. Yeah, so this is another one. It's a little bit similar to that last one as you look at the National League shortstops and out of the guys who are, you know, out of the guys who are who we have at the top of our list, like, you know, two of them, Perdomo and Arcia, haven't played that much. Arcia had the injury, um, you know, for his first um, – for his first uh, for, for for about a month, he missed with a hairline fracture on his wrist, and then uh, you know of course draw the promo. I think and I think it's going to really penalize him because his thing is he's, they've been platooning him a lot. Um, but uh, you look at Dansby; he's been really good this year. His defense has been awesome. The offense has been good. Uh, it's been different for him. He he's not hitting for much power at all, but he's been getting on base a lot, which is kind of the opposite of what we've seen from him. Over the past couple of years, where where Dansby Swanson was this guy who was he was he was a really strikeout or home run type hitter for a shortstop, especially you know, and he's kind of this year he's kind of gone to more of a contact approach where he's taking a lot of pitches, walking a lot. Um, he is still striking out a pretty good bit, but you know, one ten WRC plus on the season. Uh, you know, Orlando Arcia though he's got a four hundred four Babbitt, so that fifty one game that smaller sample size might really hurt him. But man, he's been so good. A 2.3 WAR in 51 games and a 3.41 average, 3.98 on base, a 4.92 slugging. I mean, he's been awesome. And then uh, Xander Bogarts has been pretty solid. A 110 WRC plus. His defense—it's worth mentioning—his defense has been much improved over the last couple of years, and this year it's continued to to be that way. So you know, he's he's worth worth a mention. But I—it's man, it's hard for me to go against. Orlando Arcia, as good as he's been. I mean, you know, Dansby, I, I think you could make a definite argument for Dansby just because he's played 71 games. But, man, Orlando Arcia has been awesome. Yeah, I think Arcia has been awesome. Um, but, like, I, I think as you mentioned, I think it really just comes down to the 20 different – the 20 gap in games. Like, Arcia has been played 51. Dansby's played seven, 71. Now, RC on this pace would have more war than Dansby at oh, that yeah. point. But at the end of the day, availability is also part of the key. And we knocked Seeger with it on the shortstops. And that's fair because, I mean, if Orlando RC had played 20 more games, he might have been on a little bit of a cold streak. You know, yeah. it's, 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 it's fair. Yeah, so, so. I, I think the vote probably goes to Dansby right now. But I think RC absolutely should be in the conversation for it. Uh, so we'll go ahead and go Dansby there. Uh, so let's move over to catcher in the American League. We had Jonah Heim, Salvador Perez, and Adley Rutschman. Yeah, catcher in the American League this year has not been pretty. Um, but I think the that you know it's been difficult. It's difficult to pick between Jonah Heim and Adley because I think Adley has DH some. Yeah. You know, on which hurts his defensive value. So Jonah Heim's got a lot more war, but obviously they're just doing that for Adley because then he can catch every day. They're just doing it for him to, you know, just keep him fresh, especially with him being a young guy. Um, so I think you probably go with Jonah Heim. Jonah Heim's defense has been amazing. He's been really good at the plate on that team. Adley Rutschman does have a 131 WRC plus though. Um, it's really tough between those two. And Salvador Perez is worth mentioning. He's been solid at the plate. His own base percentage is pretty bad, but he's 14 home runs. It's definitely been impressive for him. Um, 
you know, the defense is just not good, but, uh, I mean, he's DHing a lot, so it's not that big of a deal, but, um, I definitely think that, I think I'm going to let you decide between Adley and Jonah Heim, because I've kind of torn on that one. Oh, gee, thanks. <laughs> um, you know, like you mentioned, the, the, the Jonah Heim's defensive value has been insane. Adley's also a really, very, very good defender as well. But, um, you know, when you just look at it as well, they're both about the same average. They both have about the same amount of home runs. The OPS is, is a little higher for Adley, but Jonah Heim's been more of a run producer for that yeah. Texas ball, ball club. I mean, he has almost 20 more RBIs. Um, I, it's hard. It, it's a coin toss. I mean, you can literally flip a coin on this one, and I don't think anyone has an argument either way. Um, but I think just because of being a little bit more of a run producer and being more of the full-time catcher just at the moment, I think Jonah Heim is probably the pick here. Um, now, with that being said, our buddy Hank is absolutely going to roast me because Adley's going to go on like some tear and then be the notorious, like easily all-star pick. But uh, I think just at the moment, I think Jonah probably gets the gets the nod there. But uh, let's look over to the National League, and we have Sean Murphy, Will Smith, JT Realmuto, and Elias Diaz. Yeah, um, this is a pretty good group. Um, I do think it's worth mentioning William Contreras as well, um, as he has play- he's been incredible defensively this year, which has kind of been the knock on him in the past. Uh, the bat's been really nice. But, uh, I mean, this is such a great group of catchers in the National League, too. Like, we talked about how bad the American League catching has been. Like, the National League catchers, Sean Murphy, Will Smith, JT Real Muto, Francisco Alvarez, Elias Diaz, Willie Contreras. Like, they've been really good. Travis Darnode's been really good, too, um, even though he's a backup. But, uh, I mean, I, I think you got to go with Sean Murphy. He's got a 148 WRC+. Plus. He has j- uh, just been by far the best defensive catcher in in the National League this year. He's throwing out base runners like crazy. I mean, he's he's just been awesome. And uh you look at him, Will Smith's been awesome at the plate. They've been really it's hard to choose between the two of them at the plate so far. I mean, Will Smith's got a little bit higher on base. Uh Sean Murphy's slugging a little bit higher. Um you know, both of them have played not played a huge workload of games because of you know, Will Smith had some injury, and, and Sean Murphy, they've really been giving a lot of rest to him, uh, you know, especially with the fact that Travis Darnold's still really good, too, so they they can afford to do that, um, but I do think, um, I think Sean Murphy's got to be the pick here. Yeah, and Murphy is dealing with a little bit of a hamstring thing right now, but uh, I absolutely disagree with you. I think Will Smith needs to be the case, and that's Strictly because I'm a Dodger fan, so boo. Oh. Um, no, but I mean, really, imagine when we went into this, uh, when the offseason happened in this trade, and we were second like, hey, Sean Murphy's going to break out when he gets to a place that's not Oakland. And then he goes to Atlanta, and we're like, Sean Murphy's going to break out. And then here it is. He's broke out, and he has a 148 WRC plus now. And he's been, I mean, insane defensively, which he had always been, but now that he's on a team that's winning and he's been able to produce more offensively, you're seeing the talent that Sean Murphy really has. Um, and here I was thinking, you know, that finally Will Smith's going to get the all-star starter nod that he has been deserving for a few years now. And then Sean Murphy just comes in and was like, nah, son, it's mine. Uh, so I think it is, I think it is Sean Murphy. 
you know, as good as defensively as he's been, the wars, not all that. It's like a half a win, really. And I would have thought it would have been a little bit more uh, playing a little bit more games and being that good defensively and very close offensive you know, statistics. The base, but... I think the base running metrics are really what's yeah. kind of made yeah. it closer. And I mean, it. Yeah. I, I have a hard time believing that Sean Murphy's base running has been that bad. But I mean, the I don't stats know. don't lie. Yeah, I mean, just, base I'm running not... me- base running metrics do lie sometimes. <laughs> I don't not know about lie, case. but in this case they don't lie. Then that's that, I'm just being totally biased here, but. Uh, let's go ahead and jump over to the American League outfield now where we had Randy Rosarena, Aaron Judge, Ezekiel Duran, should be mentioned, uh, Luis Robert, Austin Hayes, Mike Trout, and Josh Lowe. Yeah, you so, three of these, by the way. Yeah, so the difficult thing is to know whether or not Aaron Judge will be back. He's only played 49 games, but he's still been the highest war in the American League out of, for yeah. outfielders. Like, he's put a 2.8 war in – just 40, 49 games, but uh, Luis Roberts actually leading out of qualified hitters, leading in war in the American League, which is kind of awesome. Randy Rosarena is tied with him, but I think you definitely go with start off with Randy Rosarena. He's meant so much to the Rays this year. He's got a 156 WRC plus, two, 288 average, a 405 on base, a 484 slugging. The on base is awesome. He's got a 13% walk rate, which kind of Randy Rosarena was not a guy who you would think would end up having a 13% walk rate in his career. Um, so that's definitely uh, some somebody I would put in there. Um, it's tough with the other guys because, I mean, I think Luis Robert kind of deserves it. Alex Verdugo kind of deserves it. Mike Trout kind of deserves it. Um, you know, it's hard to pick against Jordan Alvarez. Um, I just – Adolis Garcia has been really good. He's got a 10% walk rate, which is crazy because that's been like a huge hit on him his whole career. It's been like his has been like four or five percent most of his career. But and he leads all uh, all outfielders with the RBI. Yeah, he's been really good. So I think it's tough with this one. Randy Rosarina is definitely one, and I think I might go with. Hmm, I think for for Duke for Dugo maybe and. I mean, Mike Mike Trout. It's hard to pick against Mike Trout just because of he's Mike Trout. I mean, yeah, I don't know. like I, it is. It's hard to vote <sighs> against Trout. I think Trout probably has to be in there just because even though he hasn't it's been a in down the, year, but man, yeah, it's a down year, but it's still one of the best players in the game. Um, you know, Al- Alex Verdugo has been has been great as well. So is Masataka Yoshida. Um, you know, we mentioned yeah. Dolores Garcia having, you know, the lead in, in RBIs. It would easily be Aaron Judge if he was going to be healthy. Um, but I, I don't think that that's going to be the case. I mean, he's going to be in the game and he's probably going to be the starter just because of the fan voting. But, um, you know, another name we, we yeah. didn't mention, Josh Lowe. He's been like the third or fourth best outfielder on this team. But, I mean, like, Josh Lowe has had a, a breakout year. He's hitting 284, 11 homers, 41 RBIs, 840 OPS as well. Like, he's been really good, but can, has he really been all-star worthy at, at the breakout year? It's hard. I I honestly think it should go to Luis Robert. I think it should yeah. be Randy, Trout, and Luis Robert for us. Yeah, I mean, Luis Robert, it's hard to bet against him. The only thing that He's got 18 home runs. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's hard to bet against him. I, I'm not going to argue with that. Uh, yeah. I, they should 
have Luke Rayleigh on the ballot too. I don't know why they don't, but yeah. he's got a 160 WRC plus. So, yeah. I mean, he, he wouldn't be our pick because he's only played 55 games and he's still, you know, but wow. Yeah, he's been insane. Uh, so looking over at the National League side, we have Ronald Acuna Jr., Mookie Betts, Corbin Carroll, Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, and Christian Yelich. So tell me if any of those names actually surprise you that they're on our ballot. Uh, I mean, Christian Yelich, of course, does. But, you know, we were going to talk about that. But I, I, Corbin Carroll does a little bit, too, just because – you think the first half of his season as a rookie, he would be good, but maybe not quite this good. You think if he has this huge rookie year, it would probably be more in the second half. You know, he really starts to catch fire as he gets adjusted. He's just immediately been like the best player in baseball, like or the best player in the not named Otani. Like him and Acuna have both been just absolutely incredible this year. Acuna, I think, just stole two bases in one inning a second ago too uh, for the Braves. So. um might have been one, but they've been like both of those guys have just been out of their minds. Uh, they both lead the National League. They're, they're well. I think Corbin Carroll currently has point one WAR more than Acuna. They, they're both tops in the National League. Uh, Mookie Betts has been awesome. He's always awesome. Um, you know, he has hit really well, uh, and he's fielded really well, and he's ran the bases really well. He, like Mookie Betts always does. Um, and then you look at, I mean, Fernando Tatis Jr. is worth mentioning. He's only played 52 games, but he's taken to the outfield, played awesome defense in right field. Uh, he's hit really well, 147 WRC plus, and he's stolen 12 bases. He's back to being a superstar. Um, and then Juan Soto's turned it around. He's got a 411 on base percentage. Uh, you know, he hadn't been quite as good as those other four, but he's been solid. And, you know, we, we did need to bring up Christian Yelich just because he's been so much fun to see him rebound this year. I did not realize how good he had been until, until looking at this before we started tonight, 2.2 war for him. His defense has been really good in left field. Um, his base running has been awesome. He's stolen 16 bases and he's getting on base at a 366 clip. The power still hasn't fully come back to that like 2018, 2019 MVP Christian Yelich form, but like he's been so good this year. It's fun to see. I hope he gets on the all-star team, you know, but I don't think he should be a starter. I definitely am thinking Carol Acuna bets is the starters here. Yeah. I think that the three starters are, are easily the, the, the picks here with, with Carol Betts and uh, Acuna, you know, had Tatis not missed all those games, I think he would have been more in the conversation here. Um, Soto had he not started very, very slow and he's been insane as of late, but I think it's just a little bit too late uh, there. And then of course, watching Christian Yelich be good at baseball again, it's, it's been really fun to see. Um, I, I've, he's always been a player that I enjoyed watching. And that, that 2019 MVP race between Yelich and Bellinger was some of the most fun baseball I've got to watch and some of the most stressful as a Dodger fan and as a Cody Bellinger fan, but uh, watching Yelich, you know, kind of be back to at least the, the, not the same level of hitter because like you mentioned, the power's not there, but um, I think he, he's got a lot of crap and I don't think people have really went into how good he's actually been as of, as of late, but uh, so let's go ahead and move over to the American League DH, um, and in, it's going to be Shohei Otani. But the other names, Harold Ramirez and Brent Rooker, two names that we just felt deserved some shout-out. You know what? When it comes to the American League DH, I think we should vote somebody other than Shohei because we could just put oh. Shohei on this pitcher. 
<laughs> but, we didn't even talk about pitchers, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, we obviously there's no voting for pitchers, so. But yeah, I mean, you know, you look at you look at Shohei, and I mean, it's just been insane this year at the plate. Three hundred average, three oh three eighty four on base, six thirty two slug. He's at twenty four home runs already. Um, you know, three point one WAR. That's as a DH, which is hard to put up a huge WAR total as a DH. Uh, obviously, you know, we're talking about DH right now and not the fact that he's also a pitcher, but, uh, you know, we could talk about his merit of being on the all-star team as a pitcher, maybe in another episode when we talk about pitching a little bit or something, but yeah, he's been awesome. Um, you know, Brent Rooker has been fun as a guy who, you know, has had a breakout to some level or he's had a huge breakout so far this year. He's come back to earth a little bit the last month. Well, I kind of put in to some level, but he's been awesome for the A's, Um, you know, 1.4 war. He has played a lot of outfield too. Um, Harold Ramirez has been awesome for the Rays. Just list another guy who has just been hitting. Uh, He's got a 141 WRC plus. And I mean, but yeah, Shohei Otani, um, definitely, you know, definitely the pick here. Yeah, Shohei Otani as a DH right now is fifth in all of baseball. In yeah. the <laughs> it like literally as a DH, that is insane. Like it's out of the control. Top, the top five are Corbin Carroll, Ronald Acuna Jr., Wander Franco, Freddie Freeman, and then Shohei Otani, who is tied with Will or Sean Murphy is tied at three point one. But I mean, literally as a DH, that is insane yeah. to think about that that he has that much, and that's not that doesn't count his pitching WAR. That is just his hitting statistics. Yeah. He is 3.1. He leads the major leagues in homers. Like he is, he leads them in RBIs. Like he leads in, or he's a, what is he? He's third in WRC plus. Like it's insane what Shohei Otani has been able to do. We've talked about him so much, but I think he's obviously easily the pick for, uh, for the DH spot there. But, um, Jumping over to the National League side, our three were Jorge Soler, Jock Peterson, and J.D. Martinez. Yeah, Jorge Soler has had an awesome bounce-back year. It seems like every time he has a bad year, he bounces back the following year. You know, he had that breakout 2019 where he hit 48 home runs, and then in 2020, he was horrible for the for Kansas City. Uh, 2021, he gets traded midseason to the Braves, and he wins the World Series MVP. 2022, signs with the Marlins, was horrible. And 2023, we're back to being good again, you know, and he has been awesome this year. Uh, he has hit uh, 260 with a 363 on base, a 560 slugging, 21 homers, a 149 WRC plus. He has been so good for the Marlins this year. He's been a big reason why their offense has been not good, but not last, uh, which has been good to have with their pitching staff being as good as they are. Um, you know, you got Luis Arias getting on in front of him about half the time because he's got a 450 on base. And then Jorge Soler is driving him in a lot because he's hitting a lot of home runs and he's hitting for power and he's been really good. So uh, good for Jorge Soler. Um, you know, the other guys, uh, you know, Jock Peterson's been really good. He's missed some time, but, you know, he's got a 141 WRC plus. Um, so that's been, you know, good to see. And, uh, you know, you look at uh, you look at uh, J.D. Martinez. He's had a solid year as well. Um, you know, 257 average, 301 on base isn't great, but the slugging has been awesome. He's hitting the ball hard again, 578 slugging, 16 home runs. So he's been a big piece in the middle of the lineup for the, uh, for the, um, uh, for the Dodgers. So, uh, good, 
you know, good on them. But Jorge Soler has got to be the pick here, in my opinion. Yeah, the breakout that that not I can't even say it's a breakout, but what Jorge Soler has been able to do to bounce back—that's probably the better word. Yep. Um, and be a force for that Marlins team, who as of right now is second in the division standings in the NL East. Uh, you know, JD Martinez has found the you know the power that he seemed to have lost last year. You know, reuniting him with Robert Van Scoyak has been um, you know a dream in the making for them. Uh, Jock Peterson, you know. He's so dang good, but then platooning him just hurts what, you know, if he was able to play every single game and had, um, you know, these statistics, it might be, you might have a little bit more of an argument, but um, just him being able to, to not, you know, play against lefties pretty much. Um, I think it makes it pretty easy that Jorge Soler uh, should be the thing, but I mean, it's hard not to look at Joey Votto who has a 2.417 OPS so far. <laughs> so that, you don't want to pick that guy. Uh He's only had three at bats, but still, uh, Jorge Soler, I think it's the, the easy pick there. So, um, you know, kind of just running back through it so far, I'll run down the American League side and then I'll jump over to the National League side. Uh, we have Yandy Diaz at first base, Marcus Semien at second base, uh, Josh Jung at third base, Wanda Franco at shortstop, Jonah Heim at catcher, Randy Rosarena, Luis Robert, uh, Mike Trout as our outfield, and Shohei Otani. Um, and if you guys were counting, we have three Rangers and three Rays on our American League ballot there uh, with two Angels. So not a lot of love uh, through a lot of teams going around over there. But uh, the National League side, we have Freddie Freeman at first base, Luis Arias at second base, uh, J.D. Davis at third base, Dansby Swanson at shortstop, Sean Murphy at catcher, Ronald Acuna Jr., Mookie Betts, Corbin Carroll is our outfield, and our designated hitter is Jorge Soler. Uh, so there's our 2023 all-star ballot for Batfield podcast. Um, you got any thoughts on the whole, our ballot or whatever? Um, I think it's pretty good. Um, you know, obviously we still have a few more weeks, um, and that final phase of voting will be big. Um, you know, it'll be narrowed down to just a few options. So, uh, that'll be, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens there, but, um, definitely, uh, you know, definitely good, good selections this year, some cool surprises, um, you know, some cool bounce backs, uh, and, uh, definitely, uh, definitely fun. you know, I, I always like to talk about the pitching too. It doesn't seem to get quite as much, um, doesn't seem to get quite as much attention just because there's no voting for it. But, you know, maybe yeah. in a couple of weeks we can talk about who we'd like to see on the pitching staff um, for both teams. But uh, definitely I, I like the ballot. I think it's I think it's really solid. So, yeah. So phase one of voting goes through this Thursday, like I mentioned. Phase two is only four days. So it starts next Monday and goes through next Thursday. So we'll talk about the finalists. I think it gets down to two or three per position. Um, we'll talk about that and kind of everything as, as we get to next week and then it'll basically the restart of the voting will happen then. So maybe we are able to talk about the pitchers at, at that point. Um, but before we jump over to players of the week and wrap it up, uh, talking about the all-star game, uh, we wanted to, I'm supposed to do it last week and I totally forgot, but, uh, this year we are going to try and live stream the all-star game on our YouTube channel. Uh, we are hopefully going to all have face cams, hope to have a, a, a couple guests come in. We have to get with, with some people and line it up, but um, hopefully to, to live stream it, connect with you guys a little bit more. It'll be free on our YouTube channel. Uh, and hopefully we can just 
uh, spread the word about it. And it'll be a fun time, our first ever live stream. And hopefully we're able to connect with you guys a little bit more. Um, and you guys get to see more of our personality than just behind the uh, the microphone a little bit. Got anything to say on that one, Matt? Oh, yeah. It, I think it'll be exciting. I feel like it'll be fun. I've been, um, you know, wanting to try that out for a while. Haven't gotten around to it. I do still need to figure out a face cam, but um, I'll get it figured out before then. And uh, it'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, we'll keep mentioning it as we get close to it. Um, you know, maybe we even look into possibly doing a home run derby one too. We'll see, but uh, not to get too ahead of ourselves. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump over to players of the week uh, this week. So Matt, who do you have for your player this week? So my player of the week this week is going to be Eddie Rosario. He had a big time week uh, in five games this week. He hit five home runs. Uh, he hit 500 with a 636 on base percentage and a 1.438 slugging. That is a 4, 398 WRC plus. Uh, he just, it seems like Eddie Rosario every year has like two weeks like this where he just gets hot and is absolutely unstoppable. Um, you know, obviously as a Braves fan, um, you know, remember that happening in the National League Championship Series at you know, so sometimes you randomly get an Eddie Rosario gets scorching hot for a week, and you hope it happens at the right time. And uh, for the Braves, it helped them to a six-game winning streak this week. Um, he didn't play in one of the games. I think Pilar played in one of the games, but uh, he he's been awesome over the past week, and he's been a lot better this month. I, you know, he's just that that streaky type of player. He's he's kind of a league average type outfielder, but he's when he gets on a hot streak, there's not much stopping him. So um, that was a really fun week for him. But who, who did you pick, Damien? Speaking of hot streaks, yeah, uh, the guy that I picked, we just talked uh, a lot about him. We've done a lot of talk on the show about him. It's Shohei Otani. He single-handedly pretty much went in this weekend to Texas and vaulted the Angels over the Rangers in that series. He had four homers. It felt like eight homers. I'm not going to lie. Like every time you turned around, it was like Shohei was hitting another homer cut one day. He had two, two homers. Um, some of the hardest hit balls and farthest hit balls to the opposite field in that has ever been recorded. Um, like, I think it was balls hit 115 that have gone like 450 feet from left-handed hitters. All of them have been to the pole side. And then there's just like one random one that was in left center field. And it was Shohei Otani this past weekend. Like what he's been able to do. And also he had a, a very good start. I think it was six innings. He gave up three runs, uh, two or three runs at least um, against the Rangers as well. Just, and we, we can't talk enough about him, but what he was able to do, you know, going in and basically single-handedly carrying the angels over the Rangers in that division matchup, that is going to be a tight race. Um, it was, it was big time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just a comment. Um, uh... He he also pitched. I don't know if you mentioned it. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> he pitched really well. I mean, that, that's just such a big deal. Like the Angels, you know, you're looking at them right now as being a playoff team if the season ended today, and their record is really good. They got a 41 and 33 record, and you know they needed that win over that that series over the Rangers to really establish themselves and say, hey, we're not just beating the Royals. You know, we're, we can really beat some good teams too. And they took it to the Rangers in that series. They really should have won all the games. If I remember right, the other game was a game that they very easily could have won. So 
uh, definitely, a, definitely a fun series there. Um, and uh, hope, you know, we'll see if Shohei can keep it going. Yeah, hopefully he can. And, uh, and we'll be definitely talking more about him. But um, just wanted to give you guys an actual link before we head out of here. If you guys want to go find our YouTube channel um, to get ready for that, it's just, you know, YouTube, www.youtube.com forward slash at the Batfoot podcast, all one word, two P's between flip and podcast. So uh, go check it out there. Go subscribe over there so we can, uh, you guys can connect with us when we go live uh, for the all-star game. Um, but anything else you want to wrap up the show on real quick? Uh, not too much. Uh, just a couple weeks left here before the, um, you know, before the all-star break and, uh, you know, next week, uh, David will be back. Um, we'll have to do a breakdown one, one week and then the other week, maybe we can talk about the last few, uh, last few, uh, all-star game players. Um, but, um, yeah, we're getting close to the all-star game. That's a big time. Of course, after the all-star game, you have the break and then it's immediately trade season. So, uh, definitely going to be a busy month here. Uh, a lot of contenders separating themselves, uh, a lot of pretenders, <laughs> the Mets, uh, following off. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. I think, um, it's going to be a very interesting month. Sound like you're getting a little cold there. You might want to go get that checked out. <laughs> the Mets suck. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it's going to be a, a fun run up to the all-star game and then trade deadline season. Um, you know, next week we'll talk about the, the finalists there, um, and then hit on some other stuff the next week after that's July 4th. So we'll have to figure out if we're going to do an episode on, on the Monday or Wednesday or whatever, but, yeah. um, it's going to be fun. And I can't wait to, uh, to get to it, but you know, thank you guys for tuning in to episode 131 of the Batfoot podcast, and we'll catch you guys back next week. Yeah.